0: people said. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us online. Uh, if you're joining us online here at Red Church, we're in the third week of our series through the book of James. And I don't know about you, but I have so far thoroughly enjoyed this series because the book of James is a hard hitting book of the Bible. Uh, it's a Bible that certain theologians like Martin Luther, for instance, says don't even read the book of James. It shouldn't be in the Bible. And today you're going to see why, because today's Today's sermon is easy preaching and it's hard living. Week number one, Pastor Brandon brought an incredible sermon in the first passage in chapter one of James. and He titled his sermon, What to Do When Things Go Wrong. And what an incredible sermon for us to hear two weeks ago. Amen, Rev Church? And so last week, really in the context of chapter one as well, if I was going to give my sermon a name, what I really preached on was What to Do When You're Facing Temptation. Well, this week, if I was going to give this week a title and today's passage, verses 19 through 27, a title, it would be what to do when you're struggling with apathy. Maybe I would reframe that and say, what to do when you're struggling with dead religion? What to do when you're engulfed in a church culture in America that really teaches you in a sense, hey, Sunday's Jesus time, As long as there's not travel ball. Sunday's Jesus time, but the rest of the week, just do whatever you want. That's what we're going to find today as we read verses 19 through 27. I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Y'all ready? Say, I am. I am. James says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Can we just... Man, maybe this weekend we just need to stop and just be quiet for the next 30 minutes and meditate on this verse, man. What are the chances? Y'all know what I mean? It's just a coincidence. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. So understand, everything that James has said in this passage so far has to do with the word of God being planted in you, except the word planted in you, which can save you. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, They will be blessed in what they do. Keep in mind the context of James chapter one. We break these up into passages is what we call them uh, for the necessity of time. We could have preached through the entire first chapter of James where we'd be here for three hours every single service. And it's okay that we do that, but, but keep in mind the context of James chapter one. Remember that James is, is saying in this passage when you connect it to the last two weeks, when you're in the middle of times of testing in your life, trials in your life, and you're facing major temptations. Make sure you're quick to listen and slow to speak. Make sure, in other words, and this is so applicational for Crossville, that you don't become so consumed by what it is you're going through in your testing and your temptation and your trials that those testings and those temptations and those trials really consumes your thoughts, consumes your your conversations, and it becomes all you think about and all you talk about. Because when that happens in your life and all you ever do is dwell on the bad things, the testing you're going through, the temptations that you're facing, when you do that, it can drown everything else out in your life Even the word of God that is trying to be planted in you. We call this things like, in the world, a poverty culture or a victimhood mentality. We all know those people that every time you get around them, all they ever talk about are the bad things that they're going through. I've got these health problems and it's all there. Every time you try to talk to them about something that's going on to you, what they do is, oh, well... Ten years ago, let me tell you what happened to me. I'm really struggling right now. This is going on in my life. And, and what happens when you're around those people? You don't want to be around them long. Y'all know what I'm saying? Anybody know anybody like that? Raise your hand. Okay. Why of do y'all don't have your hand raised? It probably means you're that person. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm like, Joking. Joking. He tells us in this part of the passage three things about how we can change that. And it all centers on the word of God being planted in you and changing you. And what James does is he gives us a three-step process on how the word of God changes us. He talks about how we use our ears to hear the word and how once we hear it and it's in our brain and we really listen, it moves to our heart and changes us on the inside But then that's not enough. See, this is where the book of James is pretty controversial. Once it's planted in your heart and changes you on the inside, what's necessary is it goes to your hands. It goes from your ears to your heart to your hands. First, James says, hear the word. Use your ears. Get it in your mind first. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. What James is saying and what this means in the Greek is this is more than just listening what he's saying is listen intently james wants us in our minds to receive the words a couple of weeks ago i watched the state of the union address and i don't know about you but when i watch the state of the union address it's usually not for long anytime i listen to like a speech from a politician on either side i'm not hating on politicians but most of the time i listen but i don't really listen y'all know what i'm saying because it's like, do they really mean this? Are they really, you know, they change. They said this one time. They say something again. I mean, let's just be honest. Most of them are like that. So I'm listening, but then I couldn't really tell you what he said. And that's for several reasons. But number one, it's because I'm like not listening. Y'all you know what I'm saying? I'm not hating. I'm just saying. I shouldn't have said that joke. I'm sorry, okay? But it really is true. But, but, like, but like, I'm not really listening. You know, I remember in like 10th grade, I was taking a class. And we had to read Hamlet. In order for me to pass the class, I had to read Hamlet. And I sped read through Hamlet as quick as I could, quick as I could. I didn't absorb anything in it. I just wanted to check it off the list and go to my teacher and say, hey, I read it. James is saying, don't treat the word of God that way. Man, really listen intently. He says, when you're, when you're going to hear the word of God, read the word of God, you got to prepare yourself by keeping your mouth shut before you go into church, before you go into your quiet time. I'm going to keep my mind off. I'm going to shut my mind off. I'm going to keep my mouth shut so that it can make room for thinking about the word of God, pondering the word of God, considering the word of God. In the context of hearing the word of God, there's two ways we do this as Christians. Number one is what we're doing right now. We hear the word of God with others. This is why we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This is why we come to church on Sundays. This is why you're involved in a small group in some sense. You go to the men's ministry. You go to the youth ministry. You go to the women's ministry. You go to Red Connect. It's launched on Easter for young couples. Right? You get involved somehow so you can hear the word of God together. We're, in America, we're really good at hearing the word of God together, but that's not all it is. Secondly, we hear the word of God on our own. We call this our devotional time or you hear preachers say how's your quiet time going this is where individually not just corporately but individually you have a time set aside on a regular basis where you are digging into the word of God to see what it is he has to say to you. you're getting to know who God is and what he wants you to do through his word I don't know if you guys have ever had to buy a Christmas gift like for a distant relative that you don't know but it's one of the most frustrating things at holiday times. I remember a few years ago, there was somebody I had to buy a gift for that I never talked to. I never, I didn't know what they like. I had no idea. I'm texting their mom and saying, well, what is it they like? Because so I'm thinking to myself, do I just send them cash? That's kind of tacky. What kind of gift card do I get them? Well, what if they hate this restaurant? I really don't know them. And I'm texting them, what is it I should get them? What is it they should like? And if you've ever done that, you know you don't know what to get them because you don't know who they are. You have no relationship with them. You've never sat down with them and asked them questions and heard them talk about the things that they like. There is no relationship. This is the way it is for many Christians, right? What does God want from me? I don't know. I've never sat down with him. I've never listened to him. I've never gotten to know him through his word. And so James says, get a relationship with God in order to do that you got to listen. you got to listen to God speak through His Word. He includes in this that we need to be slow to become angry. And again, in the Greek, James doesn't include an and in this. Notice that. It's not like be quick to listen, slow to become angry. And, no, no, no. He includes all three of them together because this is not mutually exclusive. They are closely related to receiving the Word of God and actually hearing the Word of God. See, the Bible tells us in in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Amen, Rev Church? From cover to cover, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Hebrews tells us that the word of God cuts through bone and marrow. It judges the attitudes of life. You've heard people say before, you don't read the Bible, the Bible reads you. Well, that's the idea here when you get into the word of God. And when the Bible, when the word of God hits close to home, The natural response of a sinner, which is what we all are, is to respond with defensiveness, indignation, and even anger when the word of God cuts through us. None of us wants our actions to be held up to the perfect standard that the word of God gives us. I know that the Bible, for me in my life, if this has never happened to you, it has, man. I've read it before, and I've heard sermons before that have exposed me, my inner thoughts, my my actions, and, and it's cut and it's hurt. And if you've never been in a place where you've gotten upset because you've read the Bible and thought to yourself, I don't agree with that. Or you've gotten mad at a preacher because it seems like he's reading my mail. How does he know? I don't read none of y'all's mail, okay? I'm not on Facebook either, so I don't know what y'all are doing on there even, okay? So, So I'm not calling you out. It's God's word that is cutting you. And most of the time, our response to that is is some kind of indignation. See, anger causes us to reject and rebuke the word of God. But when we're at peace, we accept it. Anger dismisses correction. But when we're at peace, we, we embrace correction. So James is saying, instead of getting angry, even at the very words James is saying, anger that doesn't produce righteousness, instead be at peace and accept the word of God. One theologian says it this way, if you want to have a better heart, more godly mind, cleaner mouth, and more productive hands, make sure you use your ears. Y'all have heard this before, right? God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, that's to listen to people, but more importantly, it's to listen to God and he will absolutely speak to you. Jesus himself even said one time in Matthew chapter 13, he's talking to a group of religious people and he literally says, you're going to keep on hearing what I say, but you're not going to understand and that leads to our second point. It's not just enough to hear it. Number two, he says you've got to accept the word. The word has to travel from your head to your heart and it has to Change you on the inside. What did he say? Accept the word planted in you. So after we prepare to hear the word, which means we open our ears, we shut up, we don't get upset, then we're ready to accept the word. What he means when he says accept is you internally receive the word. You fully embrace the word of God. You fully embrace the word of God and you don't just hear it. You make it a part of you. This is where we meditate on the word of God. We think about how is this supposed to change me? I told you guys before. I love this example, especially for Crossville. The word in the Hebrew for meditate is the word ruminate, and the word picture for that is a cow chewing cud. If you don't know this about cows, they have several stomachs, and they get a mouthful of grass, and they chew on that grass to get nutrients out. They swallow it down into one stomach and they regurgitate it back up into their mouth and continue to chew on it to get more nutrients out of it, swallow it down into it, and they get every nutrient they can out of that grass. That's how they're designed. This is what we do with the Word of God. Man, we're, 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 we're reading it, and then we're pondering on it, getting every nutrient, and we come back to it, and we read it again and ask God, what is it? James says here we, we examine ourselves when he says, get rid of all moral filth and evil. What he's basically saying is you examine yourself because being exposed to a sinful world is going to plug your hearing. It's going to slow your response time. James says you got to be ruthless with the sin in your life. You've got to be ruthless with the world in your life. That You cannot allow those things to influence you. And when you examine yourself and you get rid of those things, secondly, he says what happens is you're going to be changed on the inside. Notice the order. Before it goes to your hands, it goes to your heart. And God always changes you on the inside before he changes you on the outside. Make sense to everybody? So if you're in here and you're like, man, I'm going to clean my life up before I get saved. No, you won't. It'll just get worse. It'll just get worse. God says, come as you are. The ground is even at the foot of the cross. Accept Christ now, be changed on the inside. And then God will start working on you on the outside. So he changes us on the inside. We put on a spirit of humility. We submit to God's word internally, and then we're ready to put off our old thoughts, our old deeds, and our old lifestyle, and this is where we're changed. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 13, he was speaking to those same religious people I quoted a while ago, and he started talking about four types of soil. Does anybody remember the four types of soil? You ever read about that in Matthew chapter 13? Well, one of the soils, I encourage you to go read the entire a passage, but listen to what he said about one of the types of soil. He talked about the seed. The seed is the word of God that's being preached to people or people are reading. Sometimes falls on rocky ground. And this refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So they hear it. They hear it. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. The world, they quickly fall away. So it is possible for you to hear the word, for the word to travel to your heart, then all of a sudden life comes at you and you don't look changed anymore. It doesn't come out in your hands. See, thirdly, James tells us we're to be changed by the word. It comes out in our hands. He says it in three different ways in this passage we just read. He says, do what it says. Secondly, he says, continue in the word. Thirdly, he says, don't forget, but do it. Listen, y'all, if there's one phrase that sums up the book of James, one phrase that sums up the entire book of James, it is real faith produces genuine works. Real faith produces genuine works. In other words, when you really accept Christ, it inevitably, comes out in how you live your life and the things that you do. James is telling us here, just listening and not doing is just as foolish as not listening at all. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Just as stupid if you come to church on Sunday and don't allow that to change your thinking or change your life at all. It's the same as not listening. James says there's two types of church goers, two types of people that are sitting in here right now, watching online right now. There's people that are forgetful hearers that really, James is pointing out, they have a fake faith. They, they hear without doing. There's no change in their life. They, they've got dead religion. They followed this program of I'm going to come down say a sinner's prayer. They said, Jesus into my heart, but then there's no change whatsoever in their life. They only hear. They never act. But secondly, there's effectual doers. There's people that hear the word of God and do the word of God. In other words, they demonstrate their authenticity by what they do with their hands. Does this make sense? thereby say amen. We're going to get more clarity to this here in just a minute because I know the things that are going through your head. Does this mean you lose your salvation? Does this mean we're going to get there? But there is an authenticity because they're demonstrating it. One theologian said, most have a problem a rupture between confession and deed, theology and action, hearing and doing. I'm going to tell you all this. I've been in full-time ministry for about 18 years. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Y'all with me Saying I am. I am. One of the hardest things to do as a pastor in America, and I'm being dead serious with you, most of the time, one of the hardest things to do when I'm going to meet with somebody or I'm dealing with somebody, is discerning through and praying through, okay, do they got to get saved first or are they already saved? Because if you're not saved, that's the first step to any process and fixing your life and being blessed as we see in this passage, right? And so one of the hardest things is because, because everybody we meet with says they're saved. Everybody you meet with is like, oh, yeah, anyone else five years old, I did this, got baptized, blah, blah, blah. But one of the hardest things for us to do is to try to discern, do you really know Jesus? Because I'll be honest with you, most of the time, there's absolutely no evidence. Man, we just go to people's Facebooks and they're like, dude, are they working for Satan and coming to church? <laughs> we, we don't know what's going on. They're losing their mind. They say they know Jesus. What in the world? It's very difficult. Very, very difficult. James here uses the example of a mirror. And let's read what he says. He says, uh, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James says, hey, the word of God should be a mirror to you. And he uses this example because it's very powerful because what mirrors do is they show us a problem that we can sort out immediately. Every time I come up on stage to preach on the platform and teach you guys, I always look in the mirror. We've got one right outside my office and and me and Pastor Braman and Jeff will have our phone on like a, uh, selfie mode kind of checking everything to make sure something's not hanging off our face and I do that for a good reason. And the main reason I do that is because sometimes my hair gets a little wonky. And I've got a great Donald Trump impression, okay? Because sometimes my hair looks like this. Okay, y'all, y'all see this? Get your phone put your phones up. You're not taking pictures of me. This is what I look like sometimes when the wind blows my hair over and sometimes I don't realize it. And I'm like, if I got up here in a like this, y'all would be like, what's wrong with pastor? Something wrong here? Is he okay? He looks kind of crazy. And so how nuts would it be if I looked in the mirror when I'm, you know, I got a comb over, right? I know, I got a little bald spot, okay? And there ain't nothing that can fix it. I've tried it all. Don't come to me after service and be like, well, if you take this supplement, rub this on your head. I've tried it all. Okay, y'all? It's just, it's one of them things. I've got a theory, my hair is sucking in my head and it's coming out my ears and my nose, okay? That's just what happens <laughs> to men as they get older, okay? But what if I, if I looked in the mirror like this and said, eh, it's okay, and I came out here, how crazy would that be? No, I can immediately fix it so y'all don't think I'm smoking crack, right? Like, I can fix it. <laughs> this is what God's word is, does to us. Like a mirror, God's word shows us what we really look like, flaws and all. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Every person in here has flaws. Some of y'all struggle with pride. You want everybody to think you're perfect and you're upright and you're good. Boy, y'all got some skeletons in those closets, if that's you. So it shows us who we really are. And what James is saying, what matters is not just to look, but it's to take action as a result of the look. It's to get your hair fixed in a figurative way. It's to hear the word of God, read the word of God, absorb the word of God, allow it to change you on the inside and then allow it to change your actions on the outside. Chuck Swindoll says God's word fails to make it from the head to the heart. And for many more, his word gets lodged between the heart and the hands. A.W. Tozer, he's an old school theologian. I'm going to read a quote from him and it's a it's kind of heady. Uh, he, he was really heady, kind of old English like, but he says this. So wide is the gulf that separates theory from practice in the church that an inquiring stranger who chances upon Both would scarcely dream that there was any relation between them. An intelligent observer of our human scene who heard the Sunday morning sermon and later watched the Sunday afternoon conduct of those who had heard it would conclude that he has been examining two distinct and contrary religions. So we hear the word of God, we absorb it, how does this affect my thinking? How does this affect my attitude? How is this going to change me on the inside? And also, how is this going to change my actions? Rest assured that, that doing this is what leads to freedom is what this passage tells us. When You follow the word of God. Following God's word is not a burdensome law that exhausts us, in other words. It's a perfect law that gives us freedom. gives us freedom. Secondly, when you do this in your life, this passage tells us that, that the people that do this will be blessed in what they do. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be blessed. Does anybody here want to be blessed? Raise your hand. Okay, Some of y'all still being negative nennies. So I got you, okay? You're like, I'm not raising my hand. Hey, you can't tell me what to do. I guess you just want like a cup of wrath from God. That's cool, okay? But so you're sitting next to that person, you may want to move away. Lightning could strike at any moment, okay, y'all? So... Y'all want to be blessed. If you want to be blessed, you allow God's word to change you. Let's continue in verse 26 and close out this passage. Y'all still with me? Say, I am. He closes this out by giving us an idea of what change looks like. And you're going to see three attributes or evidences. Now, these aren't the only three that believers share, but these are three pretty good indicators that someone genuinely loves Jesus. If you have these three things in your life, James says, these are pretty good evidences that you really do know Christ. It says in verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. What a verse for us, man. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Three things. Number one, you control your tongue. You control your tongue. This does include social media, by the way, but at church, okay, y'all? You control your tongue. When I got saved, I was 18 years old, y'all, and I didn't grow up in church. And even when I got saved, I had a very colorful vocabulary uh, to say the least and that's evidence when you hear me preach because uh there's not many preachers that have such a colorful vocabulary as myself right and so, so i don't talk in christianese in other words and i don't i don't sound like uh you know most christians that are being interviewed on tv and things like that and i think in a lot of ways god has used that because my whole purpose in my life is to reach people that are far from god I'm not trying to entertain the saints. I'm trying to set the captives free, like Jesus said, right? And so, um, so um, I think that's good. But I've recognized, as a pastor, that my vocabulary sometimes can offend brothers and sisters that I never want to offend, ever, ever. There's words and slang and different things like that that I use and. And over this last month, two months, I've really been praying about, like, trying to be humble and put on a spirit of humility about, like, Lord, what is it you want me to, like, change? What am I supposed to do to change? Because, again, I think I told you all at the beginning, I didn't become a pastor to be a fundraiser. I became a pastor to see people get saved. And if God wants me to fundraise in in order to see people get saved, I'll do it. Okay? I didn't become a pastor because I wanted to change my vocabulary, but if that's what I got to do in order for people to get saved, I'll do it. And so... So this really speaks to me because I'm really going through this season where I'm trying to control my tongue. I'm really trying, like the last thing I want to do is offend anybody in the family of faith. Does that make sense to everybody? Say amen. Being very vulnerable and sharing you sharing this with you. And so so I'm trying to figure out what are those things. And you don't need to email me all those things. Please don't do that. Okay, y'all, uh, I get plenty of emails already. Trust me, I got a lot this weekend. Okay, y'all? But... uh so, so you don't need to do that, but just trust that the Holy Spirit is working on me, but I'm doing the best I can. And so we, we, we control our tongues. We do the best we can to, to try to glorify God with whatever it is we're saying. Secondly, we care for the helpless. He says, widows and orphans, true and undefiled religion is caring for widows and orphans. That can be summed up by saying, caring for the most needy people that there are, the most destitute, the most vulnerable in James's day, there was no state provision for, for orphans. There was no state provision for, for uh, widows. <laughs> Douglas Moose says this about this verse. In the ancient world, with an absence of money-making possibilities for women and any kind of social welfare, welfare, widows and orphans were helpless to provide for themselves. So This is not just doctrine that you have in your head. This is loving people. Loving the worst of the worst that nobody else wants anything to do with. Loving people, listen to me church, we've forgotten this in America, that are nothing like you. They don't look like you. They don't vote like you. They don't conduct themselves like you. They're the trolls in the comment sections. These are who we love. This is who we love. We don't just look at Christians that look good. Their kids are well behaved. They know when to say amen in the sermon. We look and we go, no, 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 no. God sent us those that are nothing like us. Send us the ones that nobody wants to help. Send us the ones that nobody wants anything to do with. Care for the helpless. And number three, he says you divorce the world. You don't be polluted by the world. We talked about this at length so far, right? You examine yourself, and you cut off the influences of the world. Does anybody here know what Golden Corral is? Raise your hand, Golden Corral. Oh yeah, baby, we know what that is, don't we? That's the celebration place up in Crossville for us locals, ain't it? And so uh, back when we lived in North Carolina, I'm gonna try to say this as carefully as I can, because I think Golden Corral is a great place Uh, But back when we lived in North Carolina, we would go to Golden Corral and eat about once every three months. And we would usually go eat there. And then by the time we got home, Brooke and I were looking at each other and saying, we're never going back there again. Oh my goodness, you know what I mean? For several reasons. But the main reason was, when you go to Golden Corral, it's an all you can eat buffet. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen? Like, they got steaks and a carving board with ham and, and they've even got like a chocolate fountain, you know what I'm saying? Like It's kind of amazing in a sense, it's real American ingenuity, you know what I mean? And and you can like take your steak and stick it in the chocolate fountain and cover it with chocolate and they got nachos and they got pizza and they got french fries and they got baked potatoes and they got everything. And what you do at Golden Corral is you go around and you get a little of everything. And by the time you get a little of everything, by the end of your meal, you probably eat Five pounds of food. How many of y'all know about, you got buy this, buy this, and then you went back for some reason and got more, and then you went back for some reason and got more, and then you went back for some reason and got more. Well, that's what we would do, and by the end of the meal, we were always like, why did we do this? Oh my goodness, we made so much ice cream out of the ice cream machine, and chocolate chip cookies, and, and just everything. They got everything. Well, it's interesting. I was thinking about this this week, and every time we would go to Golden Corral, I and mean, we would eat, I mean, I'm not kidding, I would probably put down five pounds of food, y'all. Just sick at my stomach. I'll be so full. Guess what I would get to drink? A Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to drink with that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be good today. <laughs> I need to offset this five pounds of food, so go uh, with a healthier option. Don't want to get diabetes. I'm going to wash down this pound of ice cream with a Diet Coke. <laughs> right? When James says you got to divorce the world, don't be polluted by the world, what he's pointing out is a lot of you guys are in the world's buffet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you come to church on Sunday looking for diet, religion, thinking that somehow that's gonna offset everything you ate during the week. You had the world steak covered in chocolate on Monday, you had nachos from the world on Tuesday, you had pizza from the world on Wednesday, you had ice cream from the world on Thursday, and so it goes along, and, and you think, coming for an hour on Sunday? getting god religion is going to make you healthy no divorce the world get the world out cut those influences off christianity is all about offering yourself up as a living sacrifice that god can do whatever he wants to do with and, and, and listen, like, let's just use one or two examples. If you're in here this weekend and you're like, man, I'm trying to honor God with my thoughts, but I just struggle with lust and I can't get off porn. and Well, no wonder. You're watching Game of Thrones every single week. Oh, I just love this. It's so artistic. And there's, well, yeah. And there's also naked people every 10 or 15 minutes in it. No wonder. People having sex like crazy, orgies, all kinds of crazy stuff. If you're gonna live for Christ, you've gotta divorce that stuff. You gotta divorce it. It's difficult. I get it. I told y'all for the this is easy preaching. It's hard living. You, you, you divorce the world. When you become a Christian, You start to realize the word of God is true. Everything God has given me, I'm to be a steward over. And God wants me to be generous. Give. Boy, the first time you give, you'd rather smash your foot with a hammer. I'm telling you. That's the way it was for me. I don't know about y'all. Y'all are all righteous. You know, I'm Jesus Jr. I give all the time. I don't struggle with it at all. I still struggle with it. I was like, hey, don't go on that vacation. Instead, get to the building. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Panama City needs me. You know what I mean? There may be a guy on the beach that I'm going to witness to that needs the Lord. And I don't want to miss out on that. Y'all don't you know what I mean? Is anybody need me saying amen? Yeah. See, what I got, it's not mine. God gave it to me so I can lay a treasure in heaven. Not a bunch of crap on this earth. Uh, see, there we go. watching my tongue. Junk on this earth. Y'all see? Y'all see? I'm trying. Right. That moth and rust destroys. So we divorce the world. And the world changes us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. You're awesome and you're mighty. Boy, what a passage for this. The book of James is tough. I know I struggle with apathy. I'm a pastor, so I know everybody else does Sometimes I struggle with traditionalism, dead religion. Work that stuff out of me, God. I just pray for us as a church that, that we would be people that are not just listening to the word, but we're allowing the word to change us on the inside and then we're allowing it to flow out of our hands and our actions and what we do. There are some people under the sound of my voice right now in here and they know that you are speaking directly to them. Maybe it's because they don't know you.
1: They thought they knew you, but they're realizing, I just
0: follow dead religion and Crossville. I don't have a relationship with Christ. It doesn't come out in anything I do. Maybe it's because they've been changed on the inside, but they're not doing anything according to your word, and they are in prison. There's raging going on inside them, and they need freedom. And the only way to get that freedom is to follow your word. I just pray that we're changed this weekend. We love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.